0: Good morning. morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I want to thank you all for being here today, especially our guests who are with us. We're just glad to have you join us, whether you're here in person or watching online or listening to our podcast, we're grateful to have you uh, join us for worship this morning. I missed being with you all last week. I was away at a conference learning about various uh, movements of Jesus throughout the world, getting back to uh, how life was in the early church, a movement of Christ, and how that's really doing some powerful things and and getting back into the the history of our church. And so uh, that was just a good time for me to get away with some other clergy and be thinking and praying about that. But uh, glad to be back with you. I'm grateful to Kevin. For delivering a great word of God last week. And uh, it's just awesome. We have uh, people like Kevin and Nancy on our staff who uh, really do God's awesome work. We welcome Brad today for filling in. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, he has a possibility to have a career to be in front of people or something. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> you might want to look into that. <laughs> He's really great with that. So, Uh, We're in a year-long study called The Story where we're reading through the Bible. It's an abridged copy of the Bible. Uh, If this is your first Sunday here, we'd love to give you a copy. Just stop by the Welcome Center and you can start joining us and reading that. And we're dividing the whole year down into many kind of subsections of series. And so today we're starting a new one uh, called Tell a Good Story. Uh, There are a lot of good stories in the Bible about how people let God be a part of their story and they do mighty things in the name of God. And so Thankful to David Rue for sharing his story, part of his story today in that video testimony. And, and the whole intent is to get all of us to think about how our stories can be part of God's story. And so how do we tell a good story with our lives? And so as we read over these next few weeks, I just would encourage you to come at it from that perspective of what kind of a story is God telling through me? Uh, and we certainly celebrate the story of Billy Graham, who for 99 years served God so faithfully and went to be with God in the fullness of heaven this past week. And so uh, what an honor that we uh, live in the city where he uh, is from, uh, where the library is here, and and it's been the headquarters of his ministry. And so uh, hats off to him. Uh, And I know that he's touched all of our lives, likely, in some way and fashion. And I just imagine that homecoming of him uh, going into heaven this past week. And and that's a beautiful thing. What a story uh, that Billy Graham has shared. Let me just invite you now to join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's word today, uh, that we would all hear it and allow uh, our stories to truly be a part of God's big picture. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Several years ago, I, it was time for my six-month uh, dentist appointment to go get my teeth cleaned and checked and all that good stuff, and went in, and I'd gotten to know our, uh, my dental hygienist pretty well. She'd been serving there for several years. Her name is Tracy, super nice lady, and always had a good time and talking with her, and she's really good at what she does, um, and she liked to talk, and so uh, her challenge was she couldn't talk and clean at the same time, and so my dental appointment was pretty long, <laughs> and so... Uh, But I learned a lot of good things from Tracy. And uh, one day she was telling me about her brother uh, who lived in Matthews and felt called by God to be a missionary, uh, not overseas, but to the city of Philadelphia. And he was called to be a missionary in Philadelphia in the inner city and one of the most drug-infested, violent parts of the city. And so he left Matthews in the comfort of life here to go to Philly. And uh, he asked his friends and family and, and church family, to sponsor him, and then and they gave money, and he lived on a very meager wage. Uh, and she was just telling me about his work up there with with people living in poverty, people battling addictions, you know, gangs, all that sort of thing. And to make a long story short, uh, I ended up going up to Philadelphia with a group from my church, uh, with several of the adults there and many of our students, to go up to Philly to this church. It's called Cornerstone, which is based on a passage of scripture in the New Testament where it says that Jesus is our cornerstone, like our foundation. And so we went up there and we just wanted to go and serve and see what was going on and so uh, we drove it to Philly and, you know had a good trip up there had a good you know night getting settled in and, and walking around the church and uh, it's an old-fashioned downtown church traditional big brick building beautiful stained glass and probably you know 60 70 80 years ago was was the prime happening place in the city and uh, it had become worn down a little bit and you know aged over the year and the and you know the gentrification had you know people had left the city and it's just a you know a poor section of the of the city now and it was interesting going in the church it felt like a mass unit uh they they had all kinds of food and uh, supplies just jammed everywhere uh the church was used you know almost 24 hours a day seven days a week for recovery ministries and prayer groups and opening up the doors to the people from the community and you know feeding them and so it really felt like a mobile mass unit it's kind of reminds me of our relationship with New Story Church in Winston-Salem, uh, ministering to people who are in poverty and battling addictions. And, and that was before New Story even came into being. So, so anyway, we were excited to be there, excited to serve God in, in this new environment and to see what uh, Frank, who was our, our guide, uh, my hygienist uh, brother. And so we all got a good night's sleep. We got up the next day and uh, some of the uh, counselors and I went to meet with Frank and ask him you know, what we were going to be doing. Uh, and he, he gave us a bunch of flyers, divided us up into groups, uh, you know, a couple adults and, and several of our students uh, to go out into various parts of the community. And he wanted us to hand out these flyers that was inviting the community children to come back to kind of a big block party kind of slash vacation Bible school kind of thing going on. And it sounded super exciting and fun. And and so I started looking around saying, well, you know, we are the folks from Cornerstone to go with us out into the community? And he's like, oh, no, you, you don't need any of us. I'm like, well, yeah, I think we do. And so this is a dangerous community. We don't know it. And and in essence, what they were doing is they were sending us across the community to go and knock on people's door, door to door to invite them to come. And, and there would be some church members who were involved in that and in those homes. And there would be some non-church members involved in those homes. And I said, really, you know, who are your people going out with us? And he's like, just trust me, you're going to be okay. Uh, and you can go out and do this. And so Talked to the other leaders that I was with, and so we decided to give it a try. But you know, I'll be honest with you, I was way out of my comfort zone going into the, you know, this drug infested environment, taking students that their parents had entrusted me with. I'm a big introvert, and so going to knock on people's doors that I don't know. Um, you know, I have an aversion to bullets, and so uh, <laughs> I was way out of my comfort zone. So. Uh, but we prayed about it and we went out and, you know, we, we, we spread out with these maps and we started and we just started knocking on the doors. And, you know, at first to be like, who's that? What do you want? You know, whoa, whoa, whoa. and uh, as soon as we said, you know, we're from the Cornerstone Church. they said, oh, OK, hey, hey, come on in. And it was like magic, like like this this wall was kind of let down. And so the more we we continued to knock on doors and meet people, uh, the more at ease we became. Uh, And our courage uh, was rewarded. And we made some new friends and new relationships. And our kids got to play in the fire hydrants with some of the kids in the neighborhood. And and the next day, all these children from the neighborhood showed up at the church. And we had this big party and we talked about Jesus. And it was amazing. Uh, And, you know, it was a true testimony to the relationship and the power of Jesus Christ that that church uh, was such a central part of the community. That church exists to, to serve God and to serve the community, and the people in that community knew it. And so some of these gruff, rough people, as soon as they heard the word of these strangers from North Carolina that, hey, we're with Cornerstone Church, it opened the door because this church is, is being the church of the community uh, in, that, in that area. And it, was, it was a powerful thing. But it was also an interesting lesson for our students and for our adult leaders and even for me that you can be scared to death and be courageous. And if the Holy Spirit's with you uh, or with us, we can do powerful things in the name of Jesus. And so it was a step out in faith of being bold for God uh, in ways out of our comfort zones that, that really helped us grow in our, in our faith and maturity. Uh, and so today, uh, the scripture that we read coming in today is a story about people who were very strong and courageous for God. Uh, they're having to come into an area that's uh, invested with enemies who want to kill them. And, and they're, they're coming in to try to, you know, to take this land for God. And, and it, it takes a lot of courage for Joshua uh, and the people to come in. These fortified cities where you know, the people are supposedly huge giants. I guess they were a lot taller than the Israelites. And to come in and, and, and simply to trust God that walking around uh, a walled city and blowing some horns and shouting and clapping would give them a victory, and, and that took a lot of guts. and And we remember the story of Joshua. We, we maybe we've heard, if we've grown up in church, the the song that the men so awesomely sang about Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho. And so it's it's part of our ethos. And it's just this this courage. And then the courage of Rahab to welcome the spies of Israel in and risk her life from her very own people. And of course, that ends up being her salvation, being strong and courageous for God ends up being her, her own salvation. And so we think about some of the stories that we read in the Bible or stories that we remember in life. And, and some of the things that stand out in our mind are when people have been bold, when people have been strong, when people have been courageous, that makes a good story. And I think I heard that in David's testimony this morning that you know, he, he didn't know. Right? how he was going to survive financially. And yet he, in the course of three years, he and Mary trusted God and and God saw them through. And, and they're, they're being bold and courageous for God uh, that, that brought them close to God in those moments of fear. It got them through some tough times and, and God had something better for them on the other side, but not just on the other side, but through the process. And so when we're strong, when we're courageous for God, that makes for a, a very good story. And so I want to read with you, if you've got your Bibles or your tablets or your phones, uh, if you just want to look on the screen here, we're going to be in the 6th book of the Old Testament. uh, And this is the story of of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So be obedient to God's word. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's Joshua 1, 9, the end of that. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We here at our church, here at South Park Church, every day at 109 a.m. or p.m., it's, it's your choice. You know, we pray together, God, make us a strong church. Make us a courageous church. Know that you're with us as we go to try to reach the community in your name. And so this is a foundational verse for our congregation, to be strong and courageous, like Joshua, to be like Rahab, to, to have this courage. And, you know, there, there are a lot of courageous Christians in the world. Christians who live in North Korea or China or the Middle East where it's illegal to be a Christian. And many people are being killed or are being driven from their lands and from Syria, right? All these refugees who are fleeing their countries to go to to other places because they're being killed for worshiping Jesus. And doing that and saying, we can't hide this, this is who we are, and it takes a lot of courage. The courage of Billy Graham to go and to, and to preach revivals in countries like this. I'm sure, you know, being in some risky situations in, in his 99 years of preaching the gospel, I'm sure some of those were, were not always easy, and it took a lot of courage to go and, and be a pioneer in, in some of these countries. And just to think about, you know, wow, that, that really is courageous, um, and, and, and then begin to think, well, what does it look like to be courageous in South Park for God? Well, thanks be to God, we're not going to get arrested for worshiping in here today, and, and someone's not going to come in here and arrest us or, or you know, kill us. And, uh, and so, you know, it, it, what does courage look like for us as a congregation? What does courage look like for us um, as individuals? And, and I'm going to come back to that. Uh, but I, but I think I would be failing in being a courageous preacher or a teacher of the Bible if I didn't address today some of the things that, that hopefully you're like me we struggle with in, in this passage of Scripture about Joshua and, and some of there's a lot of it in the Old Testament just this violence committed in God's name where it said that every man and woman and child and animal were killed in God's name that God commanded that and you know from an outside objective viewpoint. How is that any different than what ISIS is doing, right? Killing in the name of Allah uh, and and we're killing in the name of Yahweh in in the Old Testament. And, you know, sometimes it it would be easy to say, well, you know, the Old Testament is a different God than the New Testament. But it's not true. It's the same God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, And so how do we begin to wrestle with this? Uh, You know, we could say, well, you know, one of the consequences of sin is death. And these were wicked people. They're going to die. Uh, And so, you know, it happens sooner than later. You know, that could be an argument. You could say, well, you know, Rahab, uh, she repented. She joined God's team and she was spared. And anyone else in the city could have done that and they would have been spared too. I I believe that as well. Um, But at the end of the day, killing men, women, and children, it's hard to understand. And I'll just be honest, I don't have have the answer. Uh, I believe it's the same God. uh, It's the same part of the Bible. I'm glad the New Testament tells a, a lot different story. Uh, I believe in the Old Testament we've seen Jesus already. We've seen him in the story of Isaac. We've seen him in the story of Moses. We've seen him in the story of Joseph. We're going to see him today in, in the story of Joshua. I'm going to get to that in, in just a minute. But I, I just I don't want to say it's okay to wrestle with this. It's okay to question this. It, it's hard to stomach it. And I don't have an easy answer. I wish I could say, think this and you're going to be good. I wrestle with it. But I have faith in God, the God of grace, the God of Christ. A lot of grace in the Old Testament this is just something I, I wrestle with as well, and so it's okay to wrestle with that and to be honest with God about that. Um, but for us, what does it mean to be courageous for Jesus in the South Park community in the 21st century? Uh, well, you know, at our church, from a church-wide perspective, uh, and I think we, we do some courageous things for God. We go into other parts of the city that, that are not not safe and you know, We tutor sometimes, we, we feed people sometimes, we've, we've helped partner to rescue people, women especially, uh, from human trafficking in our city. We, we've helped uh, hundreds of women be rescued by our partnership with Justice Ministries. Uh, what we're doing with our campus, we're, we're knocking down our, our 50-year-old building that we love and have come to know God in. Um, to build in a different way to try and reach our community for Jesus, to be a, a literal and a spiritual crossroads. We've changed the name of our church, right? We, we've done some very bold things. We've gotten out of our, our comfort zones. We're a new mobile church. Now, our, our chairs are cozy today, but it takes a lot of work to set up and take down here at the theater. And so, you know, we've really stepped out of our comfort zone to try to uh, create a space where we can reach our community in the 21st century for Jesus. We've also begun to wrestle with some of the stuff that I've shared from the State of the Church report um, that's just been released about our city, and, and we're trying to think through how can we be better at racial reconciliation and, and helping alleviate twenty percent of our children are, are growing up in poverty and they're not able to break through the the ceiling of poverty uh, to help the refugees, the many refugees that are coming to our city, and so you know we're we're really trying to do some of those things from a from a corporate uh, you know big church picture perspective and. And we're making some inroads in that. And I'm super proud of you. And we're just getting started. And so I just I think that's why we need to keep praying, God, give us courage and give us strength because uh, we've done a lot, but you have a lot more for us to do. And I feel good about that. And I just would challenge all of us as individuals uh, to think about what does it look like in my life at work or at school uh, or in the neighborhood or with my family or just meeting strangers? What does it look like to, to be a disciple of Jesus? It's not so much that we're going to fear the government's going to come get us. Now there are some church shootings and stuff in our country, and that makes us nervous. And you know, we do everything that we can to keep keep our space here safe. But I think more for most of us, it's more of a peer pressure kind of a thing. Uh, Oh, you're a Christian, or oh, you go to church, or you know, you give your money, or or you give your time. And and I think for some of us, it's not the fear of losing our life or or anything like that. It's more of a, a peer pressure kind of a thing. So I'd like to read another passage from from Joshua. Uh, that really kind of challenges us as individuals and families and even as a church. And and maybe to read this this passage of Scripture from your perspective uh, as a a Christian or from your family. Uh, So we're going to be in Joshua this time, uh, chapter 24, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living... But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua's saying to the people of Israel, there are a lot of false gods that are around here. And, and we've seen them in Egypt and we see them around here. And he's like, if you're not going to serve the real God, you know, who are you going to serve? But, but Joshua says very clearly, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, the one true God. And obviously we don't have gods from the Euphrates or gods of the Amorites, but I think that we are tempted to serve other false gods in our lives. And I think they're the gods of power the gods of wealth, the gods of influence, the gods of popularity, uh, the gods of pride, the gods of getting our way, what we want rather than what God wants for us, the, the, the god of control that we want to control our lives and the people in our lives around us, uh, the gods of stuff, right? We, 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 we spend all of our time and money acquiring things. And so there are a lot of false gods that are out there that are vying for our attention. And so I think a message from Joshua is, which god are we going to serve? And if we choose Jesus Christ to serve, that's going to take some courage. And so, um, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We, we had that plaque on, my, on the door of my home growing up, and my dad's a pastor, so you know, get that honestly. Um, but, but is that part of your story, right? That we want to follow the one true God, and that, that even though we're scared to do certain things for God, that we have chosen to follow the one true God. As for me and my house, what about as for you and your house? Obviously, you're here today. That's a good That's a good sign. What does it look like when we're out of here? Uh, and so, you know, what's the big idea today, I think? What, what's the big idea from the Scripture that I think God's calling us to have? If you want to write this down or you know, take a picture or you want to talk about this later, this is what I think. I think what God's saying to us is don't put bold on hold, okay? Right? Don't put bold on hold. I, I was driving by uh, a motorcycle dealership the other day, and it said at the end of your life, will you look back and say, "I'm glad I did," or "I wished I had"? Right? They're trying to sell you a motorcycle. Say, like, "Yeah, I'm glad I rode the motorcycle, and I, I did that. And I lived my life to the full." Or say. Man, I wish I had been more brave and courageous and gotten on that motorcycle. And it's kind of that Carpe Diem C's life kind of thing. It's like, you know, you want to go through life. You need to go skydiving. You need to ride motorcycles. You need to travel to foreign lands. You need to ride a Bunkin Bronco or a Bull or something, you know, to be courageous. But, and that's all good and fun and that kind of stuff. That's not what Josh was talking about. Josh was talking about being strong and courageous for God, right? To to be bold as a congregation, to be bold as an individual Christian in our lives, right? To to look back on our lives and say, I'm glad that I was courageous and strong for the Lord rather than saying, I really wished I would have done this for God and I regret that I didn't do that, right? So don't put bold on hold. So what I want to ask you to do prayerfully this week Not rashly, not recklessly, but prayerfully. Prayerfully say, God, give me something to do this week, right? To do one bold thing for Jesus this week. That's what I would invite you to do. Don't put bold on hold, but to start somewhere and to start thinking about what does it look like to be bold for Jesus, right? We don't have ISIS breathing down our necks. We don't have the government breathing down our necks. What does it look like to be bold for Jesus in my life, in this community right now? God help me do one thing for you that shows strength and courage that I can do for you this week. And so, so let's think through that. Let's think through some examples. It might be as simple as wearing a cross necklace out in public. Say, I love Jesus, and, and this is, is going to show the world just a small way that I'm unashamed of that. Or maybe it's wearing one of our T-shirts It says South Park Church. It's got a cross on it, right? It's got our church logo on there to, to wear it outside of Sunday morning where everybody else is like, hey, that's cool, but to wear it out in our community or, or at work or wherever to say, you know what, I follow Jesus and I'm not ashamed of doing that. Maybe being bold for Jesus this week is simply speaking the truth to someone that you've been holding off saying because you know it's going to create a conversation that's going to be uncomfortable. Maybe there's just something we've been going along with that we shouldn't be going along with, or maybe it's something we've been wanting to get off our chest. But for whatever reason, we've been afraid to do that. But to speak that truth in love through Jesus to someone this week. Maybe, you know, we're, um, we're a staunch Republican, or maybe we're a staunch Democrat, and we, we try to toe the party line on every issue when secretly there's some issues that our party supports that we don't support. Well, maybe this is the week that we stand up and say, you know what? I love being a Republican. I love being a Democrat. But, but on this issue, I just have to say, guys, gals, I differ on that. And, and this is why, right, to be bold. Or, or maybe it's when we're, we're part of the neighborhood gossip or the office gossip and, you know, the gossip wheels are spinning and someone's just getting eviscerated and, and we say, you know what? I just don't have enough information. I don't think we should be judging this person. You know, they're not here to defend themselves today. Maybe we shouldn't talk about them when they're not present. Maybe we're at school and some of our friends are really picking on somebody and it's really tough and they're making it hard and, you know, bullying them, you know, verbally or through social media for us to stand in front of that and say, guys, this is just not right. We need to leave them alone. Or maybe it's it's the fact that some of us here today are struggling with an addiction right to alcohol or to illegal drugs or or to pornography. And we're like, I I know this is not what God wants for me. I don't know how to to stop doing this. I need to get help and to reach out to AA or to a counselor or to me or or to somebody that you trust. Say, I am ready to stand up and, and to fight against this because I don't think this is what Jesus wants for my life. So being bold for Jesus doesn't mean marching around a city, right, that we have to do something like that. It can be smaller things. So I'm guessing you already are having a thought in your brain right now. That That's what happens to me is it, usually when God speaks to me, I know what God's saying to do. I just don't want to do it. And so, right, what is it that God might be saying to you today? Don't put bold on hold, right? Be strong and be courageous. And God says, know that I am with you, right? Know that I am with you. And, 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 you know when I was in Philadelphia and we're going out and we're going out into these streets and going to knock on doors and invite people to come to this this you know children's gathering and I, I was I was scared and it, it was unnerving um, but one thing that really kept me going was right Jesus and the story of Jesus when you talk about somebody who's bold it's our Lord and Savior right the, the founder of Christianity the founder of uh, of what we believe in and And how he left the glory of heaven, right? He's God Almighty to come down on the earth to take a human form. He's still God, but he's also human. Right? to begin to experience what we experience, the, the, the joys but also the sorrows and, and the aches and the pains and, and how people just you know, tried to demean him and lie about him and he was denied and he was betrayed and he was physically tortured, just the, the courage and the guts and the boldness to do what Jesus did knowing that God the Father and the Holy Spirit were with him and empowering him to do this, right? that's an incredible example. And that was something that, that I relied on. I'm like, no one's going to crucify me right now that, that I know of. But, man, if I'm a true follower of Jesus, and if that's what Jesus does is, is, is he faces his fear. He probably still felt the fear, but he still did the right thing anyway, right? That's what courage is. It's when we're afraid, but we do the right thing anyway, right? And, and what I also found out in Philadelphia was I couldn't do it by myself. I had to say, Jesus, come in me and give me the strength and the courage to do this, Right, can't do it on our own. It has to be Jesus inside of us, right? And and what's really cool here is, so Jesus came and He did all that so that you and I can be restored in a right relationship with God. We can be forgiven. We can have our guilt and shame taken away. We can have instead joy and peace and life to the full and life forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus came to save us from sin and guilt and shame and death and hell. And he saves us for life and joy and life to the full and life everlasting, right? It never would have happened if Jesus didn't have courage and strength. Never would have happened if Jesus didn't have courage and strength. And we wouldn't be here if, the, if, if early Christians didn't have courage and strength. And so it's just, it's a powerful thing to say, God, I want to be like Jesus, and I need you to give me the strength and the courage to be bold for you right? in the way that you, you call me. And here's the cool thing is Joshua, the name Joshua is translated God saves, and Jesus is a derivative of Joshua, God saves. And so Joshua is yet again another foreshadow of the story of Jesus, this time about 1,500 years before Jesus is even born. Right? So we've seen Jesus... In the story of Isaac, we've seen Jesus in the story of Joseph. We've seen Jesus in the story of Moses as the interceder between God and humanity. And now again with Joshua, the Lord saves, we see the foreshadowing of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who was bold and strong and courageous and who did the right thing, even though it probably scared him to death because the power of God was with him. Brothers and sisters, be strong and be courageous. Don't put bold on hold. Know that God will be with us wherever we go. Why should we be bold for Jesus? Why should we be bold for God? Right? We should be bold because Joshua was bold. We should be bold because Rahab was bold. But we should be bold because Jesus was bold. And as disciples, as followers of Jesus, that's the whole goal, isn't it? To be like Jesus. So this week, One thing, one thing, pray, think about it, one thing, don't put bolt on hold. Be strong and be courageous and know that God will be with you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. amen.